Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 11, The Mystery of Iniquity. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. My name is Scott. I'm here with... Zena. And we're going to talk about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. So, Zena, last week we talked about angels and UFOs, and we, we led up to yep, yeah, we did, and we led up to this um, idea of genetic manipulation. So, today's episode we're going to talk about something called the mystery of iniquity, and that brings Judas in. It brings in everything we've talked about angels. It's going to kind of tie it together. So, think of that term, the mystery of iniquity, as sort of like the the big plan. Okay. The big satanic plan that encompasses possibly all these ideas that we're, we've been discussing. And the term is a term we get out of the Bible. So we'll start there. And we're going to actually start today in the New Testament with one of the epistles that Paul wrote. And it's called Second Thessalonians. It's a city in Greece, Thessalonica, that he wrote to a church there. And it's in chapter 2, verse 6, he writes, And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now that's a very cryptic passage, don't you think? Yes. Very loaded with things, and we're going to discuss it probably in more detail another time about what withholdeth. But suffice it to say, it's referring to something holding back the revealing of a he. Verse 6 said, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. And then it says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. So some he is connected to the mystery of iniquity. Mm -hmm. We can just go ahead and say it has to do with the Antichrist. Yes. And we're going to discuss him. But he is a special individual. He's somebody very unique in history, or hasn't appeared in history, but he will in the future. And so to kind of get the context of what he was describing, we have to back up to the first verse of this chapter. Because what Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica, he was trying to address the idea that somebody had convinced them that they were about to go into the time of tribulation. And Christ's return was imminent. They thought they'd been saved and delivered from that time, that wrath. And the Bible says that people that are saved today, people that have trusted in Jesus as their Savior, they're delivered from the wrath to come. Mm -hmm. And they are. That is true. So Paul had to write them back and say, don't worry, whoever wrote you this stuff is lying to you. Okay. He's letting them know you're delivered from the wrath to come, and here's how you can know it's not happening. Okay. So that's kind of the explanation behind it. 
So we start in verse one. He says, now we beseech you, brethren, and beseech means to plead or to beg. He says, I'm begging you, (laughs) brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us. So somebody must have passed off a letter saying Paul wrote this when he didn't. As that the day of Christ is at hand. So the day of Christ is the day when he comes back. Well, he comes back in a day when all these horrible things happen to the earth and all this weird stuff is going to take place. So they were stirred up. They were worried. They were scared. And he's writing to correct that. He's saying, don't worry. It's not what you think. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day when the Lord appears with wrath and vengeance. That day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And we're going to discuss the falling away in another podcast. Okay. Okay. But that has to happen first. And then he says, that man of sin be revealed. That man of sin be revealed. And then he calls him the son of perdition. Perdition is a word that basically it's an old English word for the word destruction. So you could say the son of destruction and you wouldn't be changing anything. Okay. But perdition is just an older way of saying destruction. So who is this son of perdition, the man of sin? Well, he describes him in verse four, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like a cherub that used to be (laughs) up with God. (laughs) Sounds like a cherub we used to know. You're right. So Lucifer did this exact same thing. So this man of sin, the son of perdition, is his seed. The seed of the woman shall bruise the opportunity between thee and the woman, between her seed and thy seed, Mm -hmm. God said to the serpent. The serpent, Lucifer, Satan, the devil. Okay, so he has a seed and he will ultimately show up as this man who claims to be God. This guy here is what the history refers to as the Antichrist. Okay, so the person, so his son that's going to claim to be God, that's when they're kicked out of the second heaven. That's when all of this will happen. That's right. So this man who becomes the Antichrist uh, is a human being. But at some point, we discussed him being killed with a sword, just a simple death with a sword. Mm -hmm. And then when the angels are cast out of heaven, it looks like they're going to miraculously heal him and raise him from the dead. And when men see that, they're going to go, that must be a God. It's a God-like thing. Mm -hmm. And when he says he's a liar and the father of it, here it is. Mm -hmm. It's not just a man. It's an it. It's something that's not human, but he's not a zombie. He's not raised from the dead to walk around. In the <laughs> he's going to be Satan indwelling the body of this man in the same way that God indwelled the body of Jesus Christ. Okay. In a holy way. Yes. But Satan's going to do it in an unholy way. Well, it, Satan wouldn't be himself <laughs> if he did it. <laughs> he, he knows no other way. <laughs> So this individual is going to claim to be God because the devil's trying to operate through him and claim the same throne that he wanted many, many, many years ago. Now, do we think that Satan could be capable of saving himself? No. Okay. Because what we know is the only individuals that God offered any type of plan of redemption to 
are humans, human beings. Okay. So it was man that God created to replace fallen angels. And, you know, we've talked about the war that's coming in heaven with Michael and his angels. Yes. Well, those are the angels that remain faithful to God. And then the fallen angels joined the league with Lucifer. Mm -hmm. So it looks like they made their choice. Okay. There's no turning back from that. They weren't get, we don't know how the world was and how the situation was back then. The Bible doesn't give us a whole lot about that. So when those angels made that decision, we don't know how it was that they operated, but evidently God said, okay, choose who you're going to serve. And that's yes. it. Okay. No redemption. When the sons of God took the daughters of men and the giants were born, no redemption for the giants either. Okay. There was something about them because they had corrupted God's flesh. It wasn't the way he designed it. So only humanity has a redemptive program. Okay. So this guy, the son of perdition, the son of destruction, is the one that's going to stand up and claim to be God after, just like you mentioned, he's going to die and God's going to, or the, the devil's going to enter into him and they're going to think he's God. They're going to accept him as God. Now, Jesus Christ warned about something. Remember, last week we talked about Matthew 24, the end times, and it was going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And then the, the three kings, were they the three kings that asked the three questions? Uh, it, was, it was three questions, but by the 12 disciples. Okay. Yeah. There are 10 kings that are going to show up in the time of the end, and they're bad guys too. They might be hybrid somehow. Yes. Yeah. But the 12 disciples... They're not going to be kings until the Lord comes back. Okay. They're going to, they are going to be kings, but they're going to reign on the earth with Jesus. Okay. Okay. So it's interesting that you picked up on that too. You know? <laughs> now in Matthew 24, in that same chapter where Christ was explaining the times being like it was in the days of Noah before he comes back, he warned of another thing to look for. Okay. Because there's something that's going to happen. And we referred to a passage, we just read it, a falling away first. And we're going to have to do an entire episode about that, but... The falling away involves people seeing the Antichrist raised from the dead and declaring himself to be God and falling for it. Okay. Okay. So when they see him, they're going to think, oh, that's the Jesus. That's the Messiah. That's God. That's Christ, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're going to worship him. And the falling away is people abandoning God for him. Do you think the Antichrist, the Messiah that's coming mm -hmm. from Lucifer, that he will favor Jesus in a way, like he'll kind of look like him? He possibly could. But you know what's interesting is the Jesus of history, nobody ever saw him that ever that's alive. Very true. So, and much of the Western world delivered so much art and, you know, the Renaissance and things like that. So they depicted him as the way they thought he might look. And they only knew themselves. Right. <laughs> so they show Jesus as a white guy, you know, mm -hmm. with blue eyes and blonde hair or whatever. And in the reality was he was a Semitic person. So he would have been a dark olive skinned man or even reddish skinned. Okay. As a modern day Arab might look. Okay. You know, dark curly hair, brown eyes. You know, he would have, to me, as a man, looked like a Jew. Okay. You know, an, an ancient Jew. Not, you know, modern Jews today sometimes look Caucasian. But there's a whole historical mixing of things that you can get into there. We're all a Heinz 57 now. We really are. You know, we really are. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know why. Even, you know, Alveda King is, is so brilliant because she says, there's only one race, the human race, you know. So true. She gets the idea. And we everybody wants to separate on race. And, it, no, we're not. We're human beings, you mm -hmm. know. But anyway, so Christ, uh, it wouldn't matter what his ethnicity was. He still came to be the redeemer of mankind, mm -hmm. right? But if you were going to get picky about it, I don't believe he was a white Caucasian male. 
Okay. He would have looked like a Jew would have looked in the first century. However, this man of sin may look like that too. So you're bringing up the point, could he favor Jesus physically? And since nobody is around to know what he would have looked like, he may end up looking like something that the world perceives as yes, Jesus. Yes, and then that's you know how people are to fall for it. Right. So he might end up being a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> and think people with a beard and long hair, people like, are going to think, oh, it must be Jesus. Right. <laughs> so they, that could be the deception, you know, or part of it anyway. But Jesus Christ said these words about this time. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So here's the end. He's, he's sort of introducing the idea of the end. Mm -hmm. And what is the end? How will you know it's the end? Okay. We're going to preach the gospel until the end comes. Well, when is the end? How will we know? And here's the next verse. Okay. When you therefore shall see. Now, here's, I'm going to introduce a term here. The abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. And if I may reword it. When you see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, which Daniel warned you about, okay? And then he puts in parentheses, whoso readeth, let him understand. Like, this is important. Make sure you get this, right? <laughs> and then he says, then let him which is be in Judea flee into the mountain and on and on. And don't come down to take your coat. Don't return back to the house from the field. Run. Get out. Judea. Judah. Israel. So in particular, the temple is, the holy place is in the temple. Okay. When he says, when you see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, something is going to be standing in the holy place of the temple, which is the secret behind the veil part of the temple that the sacrifices were, were given. And he says, when you see that happen, run, get out. Because he says, then's going to be great tribulation since the world has never seen before. And so he's basically warning Jews in Israel for that time that this is the indicator. This is the flag. This is the warning to get out when you see it. Okay. So let's delve into that because all of this ties into what we're calling the mystery of iniquity. So when he, since he mentions the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, it would be a good idea to go read Daniel. Right. And find out what Daniel said about this. So we're going to go to Daniel chapter 12 to start with. We talked about Daniel last week, so we're going to kind of pick up with him again. He was a prophet from Israel, and there's an angel speaking to him right now. And it says, from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be, and he mentions some time. I'm not interested in the time. I'm just interested in the term, the abomination that maketh desolate. Yes. Now, an abomination is something that's abhorrent. It's mm -hmm. something bad. It would be like, think of if you were a Jew and you lived in the time when the temple sacrifices were taking place and you had to bring a lamb as a sin offering without spot or blemish. Imagine if you brought a lamb and they took the lamb and they replaced it with a pig pigs which were unclean animals to the Jews and they said we're going to take this pig into the altar and we're going to sacrifice the pig for your sins I mean you would go what an outrage that's an abomination mm -hmm. you you are desecrating God's sanctuary you are you know you cannot put swine's flesh and swine's blood in God's temple okay 
So that's an idea of an abomination, something so wrong, it would just bring a nation to war. Yeah. Okay. Desolate, desolation is ruin. So whatever this abomination is, it's going to ruin the temple. It's going to make it desolate. Now, the temple doesn't exist right now. If you go to Jerusalem, there's a wall, and that's it, the Wailing Wall. It was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. So something has to happen for the temple to be rebuilt, and it hasn't happened yet. Do you know what it is? I don't know for sure what it is, but I sure do think we're moving towards a time when somehow, I don't want to get into the politics of Israel and Palestine right now, Mm -hmm. because it's such a lengthy discussion. Yes. But Jerusalem, technically speaking, belongs to Palestine and Islam, not Judaism, even though it was Jews' city for many, many centuries. Mm -hmm. So politically speaking, it's a hot topic. Definitely is. So right now, if Israel claimed we're taking um, ownership of Jerusalem and we're going to build our temple again, there would essentially just be a fallout. No doubt. uh, Unbelievable. But if something happens to where that can happen, in other words, if a political change takes place where all of a sudden, okay, yeah, you can build your temple here now. Or maybe, you know what? We measured the city and we dug and we found out this is not where Jerusalem's original temple was. It's over here on our side. So we can build it now because we own it. You know, (laughs) and and maybe that'll happen. They might actually figure out that they've been wrong for hundreds of years about where the actual site of the temple was. Mm -hmm. And it's not where the Palestinians claim it is. Yeah. So bottom line is a major event has to take place, either a major discovery, a major political change. So I don't know how it's going to fall out and what's going to happen, but things seem to be pointing in that direction. Another thing that would have to take place if that temple gets rebuilt is they would start offering sacrifices again. So can you imagine the ancient Jewish religion starting up again with priests offering the blood of bulls and goats and lambs mm-hmm. for sin offerings? They haven't been doing that for thousands of years, you know. So it is going to start again. And when it starts, it's going to run for some short period of time before this guy shows up, the mystery of iniquity, mm-hmm. the man of sin. And he's going to go in there and stop the sacrifices because it says the daily sacrifices shall be taken away. So something he does, well, what would cause the sacrifice to be taken away? What if he goes in there and he desecrates the temple and it's no longer clean for them to offer sacrifices? True. If he stood up and he said, I'm God, that would do it. Right. Or killed a pig. Or killed a pig or did something. Now, in Daniel chapter 9, we get more details about timing of this abomination. Okay. Daniel chapter 9 discusses something that we've briefly mentioned in a previous episode about 70 weeks Daniel and 70 weeks of prophecy. Mm -hmm. And this is within that time frame. Okay. Okay? So in verse 26, we read, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. So Messiah is predicted in the scriptures, Christ. That's what Messiah means. Mm -hmm. Three score, a score is 20. So three score is 60. And then two weeks is 62 weeks. That happens after seven weeks had already transpired in this prophecy. So if you add 7 plus 62, you get 69. And essentially, there's one week left, the 70th week. Mm -hmm. So we just talked about Christ being cut off in the 69th week, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. And the people of the prince that shall come. 
shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. It jumps the gap of 2,000 years after Messiah is cut off when the 69 weeks were fulfilled and stopped and interrupted with this time in which we live now. And then it jumps over to the 70th week when it says the people of the prince that shall come. Who is the prince that shall come? Jesus Christ. Nope. Antichrist. We don't want him. Jesus Jesus is going to come, but he's going to be a king. But a prince is the son of a king, right? That's right. Satan's son. Well, he was the king of Tyrus, remember? Back in Ezekiel 28. He's the king of Tyrus. He was a king on the earth back then, right? They need to take his crown away from him. I'm telling you. Well, they will. The good news is he is going to (laughs) lose. Verse 27 is what I want. It says, and he, the prince that shall come, and he's a bad prince. Let's just say bad prince. (laughs) (laughs) The prince that shall come, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, seven years. The 70th week, Mm -hmm. one week, seven years. And in the midst of the week, three and a half years. When the war in heaven. Yes. And Satan comes down. In the midst of the week. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. So there's going to be at least three and a half years of sacrifices in the newly built temple mm-hmm. when he comes down and he's going to cause it to cease. And it says, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Boy, you talk about a tongue twister. <laughs> I know. <laughs> For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. And so he's going to do something in that temple to make it desolate, to destroy it and to overspread it, as it were, with an abomination. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the thing could be, could he, is he going to sacrifice a pig? And he's going to do worse than that. He's going to declare himself to be God, and he's going to go into the holiest of holies. And, and live to tell the tale, okay? Now, you'll remember in John chapter 8, Christ was referring to those Pharisees that didn't believe on him, and he said, ye are of your father the devil. The works of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. there's no truth in him. He's a liar and the father of it, okay? This is it. This abomination of desolation is the man of sin, the son of perdition, going into the temple and not only declaring himself to be God, Mm -hmm. but they're going to do something with some help of, he's got somebody called the false prophet that's going to help him out during that time. Okay? And we're going to come back to him in just a second. Uh To go back in history in Genesis chapter 3, where the serpent was um, in the garden and he deceived Adam and Eve, verse 15 God said to the serpent, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. The serpent has a seed. He's the father of it. Yes. The mystery of iniquity is exposing the truth of who the seed of the serpent is. Now, there's more things to it than that, but that's the key thing. That's the focus of it. Okay. So he's a liar and the father of it. The seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent, but there would be enmity between the woman and thy seed, and it's Israel, the woman, and the seed of the serpent, Antichrist, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, 
He's revealed in the book of Revelation chapter 13. The Antichrist is actually rises up as a beast out of the sea. Okay, but let's look at that and see something specific about Antichrist and what he's known as. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 6. Well, actually, this is that false prophet. Okay. Uh, so we're going to read about the false prophet anyway in a second. So the Antichrist himself says he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So it's going to say things about the angels of God. He's going to say things about the tabernacle of God, which is the, a city called New Jerusalem. He's going to blaspheme the name of God. And blasphemy means, you know, against God, to speak yeah. against him. So he's going to say, I'm God. He's not God. I'm God. Just very negative. Just Lucifer to a T, right? Mm -hmm. And it was given unto him, this man, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So he's going to persecute believers of that time. Those believers are going to be Jewish people that turn back to God. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And it's funny how the Bible, we were talking about uh, uh, Alveda King a moment ago and, uh, and her idea that we're all humanity, we're all human beings. Mm -hmm. The Bible never refers to races at all. It refers to languages, nations, and kindreds, which is families. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. So I like it, that word. It always refers to us as being related somehow. Mm -hmm. We may be divided by language. We may be divided by nations geographically. But we're kindreds. We're families. You know? mm -hmm. And he says, all kindreds, tongues, and nations... Uh, all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So obviously those that worship this man of sin are going to take his mark. Okay. Yes. In verse 11, this man we just read about comes up out of the sea. And then there's another beast that comes up. It says out of the earth. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. 
And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. Do you remember last week we talked about Nebuchadnezzar's dream? Yes. What did he dream about? A giant that image. That had like gold... Yep. Silver, brass, iron, and clay. And then the feet right. were the ten corrupt kings. I King, believe. that's right. And they, they show up in this chapter, as a matter of and fact. And then the stone was Jesus, and it knocks it all down. That's right. When he comes back, he destroys that mm-hmm. kingdom. So it's really the Roman Empire, the fourth kingdom, that's going to be destroyed. People don't realize it right now, but the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, went into mystery form back in the book of Matthew chapter 13. Now, why did it do that? Because some Pharisees blasphemed God when they said that Jesus was casting out devils by the power of the prince of the devils. And he said, you can say what you want about me, Mm -hmm. but if you speak against the Holy Ghost, it will not be forgiven you, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So blasphemy was defined right then. He used the word blasphemy. That was in Matthew chapter 12 when they said that. In Matthew chapter 13, he started speaking in parables. Up to that time, he spoke plainly. He tells a parable about the sower and the seed. The 12 pull him aside and they go, why are you talking in parables? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And everybody thinks he used parables to illustrate a story. He did not. He says, because unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Jesus started speaking in parables to hide the truth from the unbelievers. Makes sense. So he gave the answer to the mystery of the parable so that we could interpret them, but unbelievers don't understand. See, So he began to speak in parables to hide the truth, and the kingdom of heaven went into a mystery form. Well, the Roman Empire supposedly ended hundreds and hundreds of years ago, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't. Why is that? It it went into mystery form because Satan has control of it. Let me tell you something. When Christ was tempted, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and the power of them if you'll worship me, and he rejected it, Satan can always find men who will take that power. Yep. I'm not knocking the truth of America and the people. I love this nation, and I want it to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. Mm -hmm. But there's a sinister thing in the background that people need to become aware of. My mind has just been blown. Blown, right? (laughs) Wow. We are dealing with the mystery Roman Empire right now. And it wouldn't matter if we were in charge or if the British Empire was in charge. You know, their symbolism is there, too. If Germany had won World War II, you know what Mm -hmm. their symbol was? An eagle. The Third Reich was an eagle. This eagle. Mm -hmm. So there's something about all that that tells me that we're living in the Roman Empire, no matter what name is on charge, is at the top of the heap. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever nation is the most powerful nation or the superpower, the U.S. may go down and China will go up Mm -hmm. or somebody else, Russia. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. One way or another, Satan's prince will be in charge. And that's going to be the kingdom that Christ's stone destroys and breaks when he comes back. Wow. We're living in the time of the Roman Empire. So the image of the beast is a statue, an image 
of the Antichrist, and they're going to place it in the temple. And it's going to speak that this second man, this false prophet called a second beast, is going to make an image to the beast. And verse 15 says he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would worship the image of the beast should be killed. So when that image, that statue is placed in the temple, that's the symbol to Israel to run and get out of Judea, the believers. Yes. Because that means that's they're going to identify that the devil is in that man and they need to get out and run because he's come to coming after you. He wants to kill you. That's rude. I know. Now, we're going to back up and talk about the word iniquity because we've been discussing this as the mystery of iniquity. But what does iniquity mean? The word itself is sin, but it's more distinct than that. It's the Hebrew word avon, and it means perversity or depravity. So it's not like you could sin, like you could steal from somebody or you could lie to somebody, and that would be a sin, but it's not mm -hmm. iniquity. Even if you punched him in the face, it would be unkind. <laughs> it would be assault, <laughs> but it wouldn't be iniquity. Mm -hmm. So what is iniquity? Perversity and depravity. That's a, that's a dictionary definition. Let's get a Bible definition, all right? We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 15. I always like to define a word by looking at the first time that word appears in the Scripture. You know, and then you look at all the others as well. But that first time usually sets a pattern mm -hmm. of some kind. So Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 is a very interesting passage. It's God speaking to Abraham. Okay. Now, you remember Abraham. We talked about Abraham's bosom. Yes. So God appears to him and says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And there's a whole mystery about that that we'll get into okay. that surrounds Christ. But the bottom line is here he's saying, I said unto Abram, before he even told him all these things, he says, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. And we're back to that word seed again. So seed has to do with like your progeny, your, your descendants, your children. Mm-hmm. I could say, know of a surety that your children shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterwards they shall come out with great substance. This is 400 and something years before there was an Israel that went down into Egypt and they became slaves of the Egyptians for something like 400 years. Mm -hmm. And they made them build uh, mud and brick and all that. So all the great things in Egypt were built by these Hebrew slaves, right? And says, but I'm going to deliver them. And of course, God brought them out and delivered them. And he, Moses part of the Red Sea and all that stuff. And they came out and they went into the land of Canaan. Yes. They inherited the land of Canaan. So the land of Canaan was occupied even here. Abraham's in Canaan and God's showing him the land. And he's saying, this is all going to be your children's land. Okay, but first something's going to have to happen. They're going to go into a strange land, it's Egypt, and they're going to afflict them there 400 years. They become servants, slaves, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to deliver them out. And verse 15, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, but thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, your, your children, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, we've read the word iniquity means perversity or depravity. Who are the Amorites? I was just about to ask that. The iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Everything in the Bible always ties back into itself somehow. Mm -hmm. The Amorites happen to be dwellers in the land of Canaan. 
So Amorites was essentially sort of a generic way to refer to all the inhabitants of Canaan. Okay. But the Amorites must have been something unique because they were one of many tribes of people that lived in Canaan. So you could technically classify them all as Canaanites since they derived from Canaan. But do you remember anything about Canaan? That's where all of the giants were at. Right. So who were the Amorites? Could they have been giants? You know, they probably could have. I mean, that would make sense. They're in Canaan. There's no small people there. Exodus chapter 3. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a land, a good land and a large land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites. This is like God telling Moses... Yeah, this is now the 400 years have passed. Mm -hmm. And God's telling Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver my people out of Egypt and bring them into the land of promise that I gave Abram. Abraham. Okay. Okay. Unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. A lot of ites. Giants. All these giants. <laughs> they're giants. They're, it's the land of the giants. He said, I'm going to give you their land. Is there a reason why at the end of every word it's height it seems to have something to do with that genetic thing like you know it's like height i <laughs> the, the heights that's it i never thought of it that way that's brilliant yeah maybe there's something about that now it's funny because um moses didn't get to go into the land because he did something bad in that time he did a lot of good things but he made a mistake oh, so he didn't get to go into the land so joshua was the guy that carried them into the Land. So they crossed the River Jordan and they went into the land and they conquered city after city after city. Mm -hmm. the, um, but on their way in, they were taking out some nations as well that could have been a threat to them because they were giants. Very true. So Joshua, the book of Joshua, which is the, the, the one that took over after Moses, mm -hmm. chapter 9, verse 9 says... And they said unto him, from a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. So in other words, Joshua has got an army of Israelites going in to take over Canaan. And some people came to him from far away and they said, we've been hearing about you guys. And we've heard how much you've done to the inhabitants of this land. Mm -hmm. So we want to come join forces with you because we don't want to be killed by you. Okay. <laughs> So they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him, your God, and all that he did in Egypt, the, the plagues, the Red Sea, mm -hmm. and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, we never talked about him, and to Og, king of Bashan, we did talk about I him. I remember him. Do you remember Og? What was he? He was a giant. He what a, a name, Og. Og, OG, Og or Og of Bashan, <laughs> who, which was at Ashtaroth. So two Amorite kings, and we know one of them was a giant. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't the other one, Heshbon of Sidon, be a giant too? Because he's different. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe they were probably giants, and the whole point was the iniquity of the Amorites. What were they doing? Perversity, depravity. Okay, what was their perversion? What was the thing? Well, we already know about a perversion that the fallen angels had because they took the daughters of men. Yes, right? and they made these and 30 feet kids. They weren't supposed to do that. Okay, 
Now, you remember the name of two cities in the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes. Do you remember what happened to them? They were punished for something they did. Okay. God burned them up. Was it, I don't know. They sound very familiar. I want to say, were they the cities where they were having same-sex relationships or? That's what everybody thinks it is. Okay. Okay. Because they fail to read closer. So I'm glad you said that. Okay. Because it really does the typical thing, and and in, in fact, I don't want to be crude, mm-hmm. but we have a term. It's an old term. It's still a real word, but it's not used very much anymore. And the term is sodomy. Yes. And it's used in reference to men engaging in an act mm-hmm. together, and it comes from the city of Sodom. So the assumption was always it was God's referendum on homosexuality. Yes. Okay. There's more to the story than that. Okay. It's not what people think it is. So one of those mysteries. Okay. So let's get the backstory. Abram, Abraham, Mm -hmm. had a nephew and his name was Lot. If you thought Og was a strange name. I mean. (laughs) Lot. (laughs) So Lot ended up coming down with him when Abraham went to the land of Canaan. And at one point, they were rich. Abraham was extremely wealthy. Cattle. I mean, at that time, you measured wealth by cattle. So they had so much cattle that they were, everything was getting eaten up in the land. And so Abraham said, Lot, you choose. You want to go to the left or the right? I'll take the other side. Your choice. And because we got to split up because we got so much stuff. Yeah. We need more resources. So Lot said, I'll take the right. And mm-hmm. he looked over there and he saw the cities of the plains, Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were well watered and it was a beautiful, fruitful region. So he said, I'll take that side. Well, Lot went to dwell in Sodom. Now, why was he dwelling there? Well, because it was a city, and cities have resources. You know, protection, walled gates, because giants lived there. Why do you think these cities had such tall gates and, and fences around them? You know, giants. Yeah. So there was safety. So he went to dwell in Sodom, but it turns out the men of Sodom were extremely wicked. All right? So they were de- depraved. They were perverse. But what was their perversion? We go to Genesis chapter 19. And so what happens is God see you know, whenever God comes down to stop something, he destroyed the entire earth with the flood of Noah because of iniquity. Yes. He stopped them building the tower of Babel because of iniquity. There was something they were doing that involved saying to the angels, come back down, come take our wives. We want your knowledge. We want you to come intermingle with us again. Mm-hmm. And he said, I got to stop that. That's how we got all the nations and the languages because God, you know, he, he confounded the languages. And now he himself comes down again because he's been seeing what's going on in Sodom. And he sends two angels to go destroy the city. God's angels. Okay. So the angels show up, verse 15 of Genesis 19, when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. The city is about to be consumed. He's saying, get out of there. We're going to destroy the city because of iniquity, perversion, depravity. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why Sodom was destroyed. It says, um, if we back up to verse 4, the angels go into the city. Lot sees them come in, and he says, men, come stay with me. You're not safe here. 
So come stay in my house. So they agree to stay in his house. And in verse 4 says, before they lay down, in other words, he entertained them, and before they were all going to go to bed, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, both old and young. All the people from every quarter, they surrounded Lot's house, the entire city. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, now here's the perversion. Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And in a King James Bible, when a man knows another, Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bare Cain. Knew his sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. Bring the men out. These are not men, they're angels. Bring them out that we may know them. You know what they wanted to do? They wanted to have sex with angels. It wasn't homosexuality that we're talking about necessarily. It was mixing of strange flesh. So that they could make more giants. Exactly. They wanted, That makes more sense. That make, that's why God had to destroy the city. Their iniquity was a perversion. And I'm not trying to undermine or I'm not trying to pass judgment on anything else. I'm just saying that specifically what was going on here was, and, and he says, and Elod even says, look, I got two virgin daughters. Please take them. Who would do such a thing? Right. You know, and the men said, no, we want the angels. And if you don't give us the angels, we're going to do to you worse than we plan to do to them. And that's when the angels smote all the men with blindness and dragged Lot kicking and screaming with his wife and daughters out of there. Because he says the iniquity, lest you be consumed in the iniquity. So he was about to burn that city down. And that's what those angels were sent to do. Now, to define that further, we go to the book of Jude, which is the second to last book in the Bible, right before the book of Revelation. And in verse 5, everything we've just been discussed is sort of like summarized right here in this passage. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. We talked about Egypt mm-hmm. and the iniquity of the Amorites. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Those were the angels that took the daughters of men in Genesis 6. Mm-hmm. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire, going after fornication, strange flesh. And uh, there's another word, fornication. We, we talked about sodomy, and I think it's mischaracterized in the way it was come down. Fornication is mix, mischaracterized. People talk about that as just like premarital intercourse. Mm-hmm. That's not fornication. Fornication is using sex to worship idols. It's idolatry. It's a pagan sexual practice to worship the host of heaven. It always ties back into these angels. So what this whole thing has been about all this time is God trying to preserve his human creation from getting messed up by fallen angels. Okay. That's what this battle has been about. The mystery of iniquity is... They're going to find a way to create a hybrid man of sin that they can do without intercourse. Second mm-hmm. Peter chapter two, verse four, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, 
What was their sin? They took daughters of men. But cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, the flood, Mm -hmm. a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should live ungodly, that should after live ungodly. That's twice now Sodom and Gomorrah has been mentioned in connection to the angels that sinned. That iniquity was not homosexuality. Yeah. It was perversion of messing up the mankind's genetics with angels. That's so crazy that you're taught that that was the reason why he, you know, burned down those two cities, but it was just to, and honestly, it was just for him to stop them from trying to make more giants. There were already giants in the land. It looks like that might've been the place where they were being bred as it were, in a sense, you know, Amorites, Hittites, Jebusites, whatever. Makes sense. Maybe that's where that was like the, the, Mm -hmm. The breeding grounds. Right. And <laughs> for, they're for, like, for the Nephilim. there's some more. Let's keep it going. Because they were trying to do that. So, so yeah, you're right. And and so we've got to let words mean what the Bible defines them as and yes. not what tradition hands them down. Mm-hmm. Because if, if it was intentionally God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah because of, let's say, homosexuality, there's any number of modern cities today that he should burn up too. Very you know, true. If that were the case. That's not the case. That's not what he's doing. Man... Man is sinful by nature. My sin is no worse or better than another man's sin. Very true. You know what I mean? So if God was imputing trespasses unto men right now, there would be cities popping off the map left and right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> For It's not like because of this sin, oh, he's only going to burn up cities because of that sin. Mm-hmm. He should burn up cities because of every sin, yes. of any sin. He's not doing that. Right now, the Bible says God was in Christ not imputing trespasses to the world. We live in a time of grace. Thank God. And it's also a time when through the grace, this kind of shenanigans stopped. God's not allowing angels to mess with things. So they're doing it in a way that's covert, or it's not that God doesn't know about it, but it's not obvious like Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. It's more unobvious like UFO abductions. Yes. And genetic experiments. And and, billion and trillionaires. And the global elite. So the iniquity of the Amorites was their idolatry and perverse depravity of mixing the seed of men with Nephilim or angels. Either the giants that already existed or angels to make more giants, mm-hmm. right? But the last thing I want to close with because we're out of time is this. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. All right, so we talked about that's the Antichrist, and he's mm-hmm. going to be revealed in his time. But we're going to have more interesting things to discuss next week. With that being stated, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share, as well as leave a comment down below. Thanks for listening today. Y'all have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com.
Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.